Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. As you see from the episode title, we got Harrison Burton, Harry B, on the show with us this week. This interview was actually recorded a couple weeks or maybe a few weeks back at this point at Phoenix Raceway. And if you cannot tell in the interview, I was struggling a bit. I was a bit under the weather, not COVID, so all good there, but had a bit of a head cold. Really gave me fits. Uh, perfect timing as well, given that I was I was just getting it as I went to Phoenix, and it hit me the worst while I was in Phoenix, on minimal sleep, freezing my tuchus off, so that was fun. But hope you guys will bear with me there. Apologies for my voice, and also, as luck would have it, if my voice wasn't bad enough, my recorder also decided to go kaput a couple times in the interview. So if you hear some weird abrupt cuts, that's pretty much what happened there. But a great chat with Harrison Burton. I enjoyed chatting with him and I'm excited for you guys to hear it this week on the show. All right, before we do that, we got to pay homage to the number 70. Yes, we are back at the number 70. And Papa Siegel's done a great job at the past 100 episodes. I did not give him his proper due last episode, so this is me applauding with my one hand that I do not have another hand to clap with. It's me slapping my knee. Congratulations, Papa Siegel. What have you cooked up for us this week with number 70? Thank you, Duve, and welcome everyone to episode 170. Last time through the numbers, we remembered J.D. McDuffie who piloted number 70 in 653 NASCAR Cup races, but never won. Today, we turn the Wayback Lens on the 1970 Indy 500 and one of the most dominating performances ever in that famous race. I'll never miss a chance to shine the spotlight on my favorite wheelmen, and today presents a perfect opportunity. In May 1970, Al Unser, my favorite IndyCar driver of all time, arrived in Indianapolis as a rising 30-year-old driving the flashy Johnny Lightning Special for Parnelli Jones. It was the first year all cars in the field would include turbocharged engines, and the last year the old victory lane at the south end of the pits would be used. My man Al put a whooping on the field all month. He set the fastest practice speed overall and topped the speed charts during five of the practice sessions. He won the pole and he won the race, leading 190 of the 200 laps. His dominance that day was so great that with 25 laps to go, Unser had lapped the entire field. By winning, Al and his older brother Bobby became the first brother duo to win the race. It also gave Parnelli Jones the distinction of being the second person to win the race, both as an owner and a driver. Sounds like a stinker of a race, right? Winner leads 190 of 200 laps and laps the entire field? Maybe, 
but for a young kid listening to the radio broadcast on the rug of his room in Miami, Unser became my guy, and he remained my favorite IndyCar driver for the rest of his career, and he still is. That's all for this week. Back to you, Doof. Thank you, Dad. Yes, the number 70 is obviously a, a very important one in NASCAR history, as are all of these numbers for that matter. Um, and we're going to get into a little bit of news in the next segment about numbers and why they are important. So stay tuned for that. But let's start off this episode, as we always do, with a good old-fashioned reggaeton. <laughs> and throw it straight over to my interview with driver of the 21 Ford for the Wood Brothers. It's Harrison Burton. We chat a little bit about his rookie season that was at that point to date, whether or not he fulfilled the expectations that were put on himself, what it's like to be a de facto fourth Penske car of sorts. Brian Wilson makes a cameo or two. It was a great chat with Harrison. Him and I go way back, and I hope you guys will appreciate this conversation with my crappy voice and all. Without further ado, here's the chat with Rookie of the Year contender, Harrison Burton. I am with uh, Mr. Chest Hair himself, Harrison Burton. Well, you know, your rookie year is coming to a close, so now that you're in the Cup Series for almost the full 36 races, do you grow chest hair? Is that how it works? I don't know. I, I might have lost some normal hair. Uh, it's just a stress, stressful schedule and... Uh, you know, it's uh, a really, it's been a fun year. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of ups and downs, a lot of downs. Um, and then later in the year, more recently, we've started to kind of turn the corner, I think, and, and start running kind of how we needed to, um, and, and have needed to for a while. And, and, uh, you know, last weekend was good for us qualifying the top 10, run near there and, and in the top 10, most of the race and finish 11th. So, uh, I need to do that more often and, and feel like we're building something here and, and it's been a long, slow build. Um, and that's kind of why I feel like I've probably lost some hairs because you, you, that, that build is painful. Uh, we're competitors. We want to go win off the, off the bat. Um, didn't happen. So, um, you know, it's just kind of about how you build from that and, and what you do to get better and feel like we've done a lot of things. And uh, proud of our group. These guys, Brian, just walked in, so I won't say anything too good about them. But... Uh, they've been working really hard for a long time and I've uh, had a, a positive attitude through a lot and so uh, it's been fun to, to get to know these guys. I used to hate them when they were my enemies in Xfinity. I thought Brian was a cheater and all that but uh, now he's the cheater in the good way. <laughs> that's right no he, he uh, it turns out no they don't like me still so yeah it's been cool to get to know these guys and, and be uh, not racing against them be racing with them so it's been fun. You've had a lot of adjustment this year. New manufacturer, new team, new crew chief, obviously. Since he's here, why don't you talk good about him or talk smack about him? It's nice to have him in your corner, though. He's obviously been around the block a time or two. He knows what he's doing. Being a rookie, having him to lean on, I'm sure, has been pretty helpful in this adjustment period. Yeah, he's just a, you know, like you said, there's a lot of change for me. So it's really great to have a, a guy like Brian um, who's a good leader. Um, I feel like you got a lot of guys that are either smart on the car or they're good at managing the race team. I feel like he's both, so it's been good to to kind of have that help uh, where I didn't have to come in and be the new guy and try and be a leader, right? I didn't have to take the reins of the team. Felt like we just kind of do what we do naturally, and, and no one out of us two is like a set team leader, which is nice. I um, feel like, you know, we both do things and, and differently and try to think of things differently, and it, it 
ends up, uh, you know, I feel like it's working the more and more we do it. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, the new manufacturer deal, I didn't think it would be different, um, but it's been really different uh, going from from uh, Toyota to Ford. You know, I knew everyone over at Toyota uh, just because I'd been there since I was like 14 uh, and knew every engineer, every person and, and what their job was, who I needed to talk to. And you go to Ford and it's a different structure and different people. And, and so there's a lot for me to learn there. Uh, I've gotten to meet a lot of really cool people at Ford. So, um, you know, just thankful to, to know them now and, and start building that relationship up. And, and um, you know, the relationship with the Wood Brothers uh, was really easy for me just because they're just old school racers and kind of how Ford is too. They just, you know, they just want to race. So um, it's an easy adjustment, I guess, because of that. Um, but you know it's it's been it's been really fun so i'm glad that it's been easy for you because on paper you would think that you know you've been with toyota since you're 14 it's all you've ever known hopping over to a new oem that's a huge change an an easy one but a big one was it as big as you expected or have there been things along the way that you thought wow i i didn't really think about this yeah there's been things certainly that surprised me uh not not in a, a good or bad way just different right things that are operated differently things that are uh, handled differently, who I talk to for what. Um, and, and those things are just day to day, right? You have different, I guess, uh, ladders to, to, to climb up to get certain things. And, and you ask for things as a driver. Um, and what's been cool about Ford is from the top level from, you know, Jim Farley, the CEO of Ford will show up to our races. Right. And he, he likes to race. So, um, talk to him about his racing. Right. And, and so, there's just some different things like that that are really cool um, that, you know, you, you just sometimes, you know, you, you get to know uh, uh, another organization and how they work and you're used to that. And then you go somewhere else and it's cool to see how they, they differ. So it's been it's been fun. Like you mentioned, this year's it's had its ups, it's had its downs. But in your career, you've been used to way more ups than downs. Yeah. Has it been a humbling one for you? Have, have you had to look yourself in the mirror a couple times and say, all right, man, I know I can do it. I just got to st- keep at it. Yeah, I've had these years before. Uh, you know, I, I think back to my first K&N East, now ARCA year. I didn't win. Um, wanted to win the championship. Didn't win a race in the, the East stuff. Uh, the next year, came back, won the championship, beat my buddy Todd. So, you know, thank the Lord I did. Suck it. Yeah, that's right. I thank the Lord I did because I, I would have never heard that end of that. Uh, now he never hears the end of it. And then, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of success. Uh, went to to KBM, thought I'm gonna win a bunch of races, win a championship. That doesn't happen. Uh, and then the next year, go to Gibbs and 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 win some races with them and and have success. So I've had you know years where it's been negative. You know, there's been years where you kind of have to pull something out of the fire, right? Where you have to go to work and look at yourself in the mirror. And I've been moved up through the the ladder pretty quickly um you know trucks full-time for a year then xfinity for two years then to cup right and so you never really get settled uh and so i've had a lot of that i've had a lot of those humbling moments um those first few races in xfinity or or whatever it might be you run not where you want to so um i think every driver has had that where they have to look in the mirror at some point in time and say i have to do better and here's what i have to do uh what i'm thankful for is i have a lot of great examples around me that where people just appoint me in the right direction um where there's been you know years where i would doubt myself um and then the next year 
at through work, uh, the confidence comes and then the results come. And I think the confidence is, is coming around in my end later half of this season. Um, feel like Brian, his confidence in himself as a crew chief, making calls, set up changes that are outside the box. Uh, as it's his first year in, as a cup crew chief, right? So we're both kind of building towards something and it's been cool to start at nothing, right? And, and yeah, we had a, a decent start with the class ran pretty good, you know, was leading the Daytona 500 flipped. And then after that, it was like downhill. It didn't run good for a little bit. And then we had some where we would, some where we wouldn't. Um, but recently there's been consistency that's coming around and speed consistently that's coming around. Whether or not we finish well is one thing. But once you have the speed, I think the rest of it comes. So it's been cool to kind of build those building blocks towards that. A lot of people say when they make the jump from trucks to Xfinity, it's pretty big. And then when you make the jump from Xfinity to Cup, it's like crossing an ocean, right? Have you felt that way? Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a difference. Uh, these are the best in the world. Every single car is someone that has won races uh, at a high level uh, somewhere along the way, I, I would assume, right? So, uh there's just a lot of really talented people in this garage and that goes for drivers that goes for teams everybody's got a lot of uh, resources that that you know for example the xfinity teams might not have so you give smart people good resources and then all of a sudden they're really hard to beat so uh it goes from the drivers and and to the teams and and you think wow how do i beat a guy like uh, joey logano um you know, all this experience, super talented guy, super talented team around him. And I have to go beat him with my group, uh, which is also super talented. And I feel like we can go do it. Uh, but there's a building process to that. Whereas in Xfinity and trucks, that building process is less because there's there's less teams and drivers in those teams um, that are of the cup level, right? Like there's your guys that are cup regular superstars whatever you want to say those guys are good and they're here for a reason they've been here for a long time for a reason so beating them is tough uh but that's why we're here so uh you got to do it eventually or you're not going to be here for long do you miss running in the xfinity series i'm sure maybe like a one-off or a couple races a year would interest you but you seem to not really been doing that this year i understand your focus is here but i'm sure you watched the xfinity races and you had your fair share of success there so i mean look look on your face as you miss it I, lo I love uh, those cars are so fun to drive low downforce sliding around um, like I want to go run Darlington in an Xfinity car I mean just a cool racetrack sliding those things around on the fence in, in three and four and uh, finish I think second to Noah there last year uh, one of my favorite racetracks I really want to win there just because my family my dad uh, won a lot of races there and he loves that place uh, I love that place, one of my favorites. So uh, I just want to race there as much as I can. So like at Darlington or Fontana where I got my first win in Xfinity, the more I can race at like my favorite racetracks and stuff, the more I'll be happy. Um, so, yeah, I'm totally in to do Xfinity races if the opportunity arises. I know there's a lot of, you know, moving parts behind the scenes, right, where, um, you know, whatever, you know, may happen where there's seats available, there's not. Uh, obviously, it, it's a it's – a, kind of a fluid situation so uh if the opportunity rises out in any really series I'll, I'll race it that's for sure so i hope roger and walter are listening just start back up the penske xfinity yeah. program put you in there that's what you need hey whatever whatever happens like i said i i don't know i don't know their plans or i don't have any news to break on that but uh that would be fun but 
Um, you know, there's like I said, there's so much stuff that goes on behind the scenes of these teams and, and what makes sense for the owners. And, and to be honest, my focus is so much on the cup car that I wouldn't feel right really running a, a lot of Xfinity races because I couldn't put everything into it. I'd have to put everything into this cup car. Um, and then I feel like that would kind of be a disservice to that opportunity as well. So I don't know. It's a tough 50 50, right? Like I want to race, want to have fun. Um, but I'm the kind of guy that I really have to put everything into something or I don't feel happy about it. Um, and I think that's something my dad has kind of beat into me over the years. And, uh, that's just a, you know, a tough, a tough bridge to cross. Cause this car, this cup car is so different. You know, you used to run Xfinity to help yourself in the cup car because they were similar. Now they're very different. So, uh, racing helps you no matter what you're in, no doubt. So seat time's good, but I don't know that there's a, like a, okay, I'm going to run the Xfinity car and then all of a sudden, you know, start kicking tail in the, in the cup car. It's kind of a, uh, a tough balance for sure. Yeah, I didn't think about it like that. But it's a good point. So we talked about Penske. No person better to ask than you, right? We hear, all right, the Wood Brothers, it's a satellite operation, but you're basically de facto teammates, right? How much of that is lip service and how much of that is true? Like, I know you guys do work hand in hand and essentially equipment pretty similar, right? But you're living it day in, day out. So do you really consider Joey, I was going to say Brad, Austin and uh, Blaney effectively teammates of yours? Yeah, every now and then in an interview, I'll call them my teammates on accident. Uh, It's not untrue. Yeah, like... I definitely do. They, they've been helpful for me. Um, you know, I can ask Joey, Ryan, or Austin questions whenever I want. Uh, like you said, we're, we are an alliance team, uh, but we're really nestled closely with Team Penske. So uh, it's a cool relationship because we get to keep the heritage of the Wood Brothers alive, and it's not like it's a, just a name on the car. Uh, Lynn and Eddie Wood are really involved in this team, and I've heard conversations in this lounge with them where they're making decisions for our team. Um, and doing man- managing the race team. So those guys are, you know, involved. John Wood also, that, you know, obviously heavily involved. So we've got that heritage still here, and we've got the help from Team Penske to, to go, you know, Team Penske and, and Ford with the relationship they've got with Wood Brothers. We've got these resources to make stuff go really fast, have really great equipment, have a chance to bounce ideas off guys and, so a couple more. I know it's been, like we mentioned, a trying year, probably one of the hardest ones for you professionally, just because, again, you're used to winning, contending, running up front. That hasn't been the case this year. Have you learned anything about yourself that maybe you didn't know about before the season started? I know. Yeah, for sure. I've learned why I love the sport, if that makes sense. I used to think I love it because I won. Uh, and that was fun. It's fun winning. I still love trying to win. That's definitely like a driving factor. But I love the sport because of a lot of things uh, you know you get to where you you don't win and you still are trying to and it hurts that you don't at the moment um, but I think I, I found that I really love it because of the process of making yourself into a better driver and the process of waking up and having something that when you're in the gym you know why you're there you know what you're working for you know what you're traveling all these miles for it's because there's a you know a group of guys in here that really are doing the same thing just at the race shop um, and doing different jobs, so I I, I love it for that. Um, you know when I was younger I just loved winning I and mean, that was all I cared about and that's still the main thing that I love right is 
if I would win a cup race, that would be the coolest moment of my life so far. And, uh, so yeah, like that's been cool for me is to learn to love the process of getting better and, and learn to love the process of, uh, struggling and, and what do you do about it? You know, it's easy to struggle and curl up and say, I quit. Uh, it's harder to go and try and look at yourself in the mirror, get better. Why am I doing this? What can I do? And, you know, in, in this level, it's every small inch. You look at days where we'll run in the back and you compare our telemetry to someone else and it's, you know, the graphs barely overlap. It's anything different that the drivers are doing, but it's small little details that add up over a whole race. Uh, and so picking through that stuff is pretty cool. And how do you get better? Um, which is kind of something I do alone. Uh, I have a lot of great help from my team uh, where we'll have a meeting and look over film stuff but when I'm in my house sitting alone and I have nothing else to do but to I'm just digging through SMT stuff or you know if I'm not doing that I'm hanging out with my buddies that's literally the only things I do is I walk my dog hang out with my friends or golf or play Xbox and study data those are the three things so uh, you know pretty pretty fun to have something to strive for like that and get better and see the results too you know what you're doing for next year yet officially i mean we can all assume but officially anything to report i i don't have i don't actually like i don't know how to <laughs> handle these situations at all but uh yeah i feel pretty good about where we are i feel like the the best way i answer these questions is like this was when i signed here the first zoom we did this was about building something uh with a young core of guys and uh you know with being with that team penske alliance building through you know we've got a pretty young team even though joey's uh the veteran he's pretty young when you look at how many years he's raced and still how young he is um so you know i think it's important for that you know that was the goal was to build something for the future maybe we're not going to win the championship this year obviously we're not going to win the championship this year but what can we do to build for the future so i think that's still the plan um that's everything i've heard and yeah we'll see how it goes Enjoy your Xbox. Yeah, yeah. New Call of Duty came out, so play some of that. <laughs> thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yep, thank you. And we're back. Short and sweet again. I think that might be the theme for some of the off-season programming. Not for sure what this show is going to look like in the off-season, whether it's every week, every other week, long-form interviews, shorter spurts. But regardless, I will do my best to get you guys episodes on a regular basis this offseason. There's a lot of stuff going on. My Sirius XM duties are keeping me pretty busy. And by the time this episode is out, you guys may have heard, but if you haven't, I'm super thrilled to say that I will be hosting in a co-host role with the one, the only racing guy, Pat Patterson, this upcoming weekend on the front stretch, 9 a.m. to noon on Channel 90. Now, you guys know I obviously host this podcast. I host Loose Ends, which is the best of Sirius XM NASCAR radio, but that's not a live show. It's live to tape. It's great, but it's not live. I really have been wanting to get some live reps under my belt and in my repertoire. So appreciative of El Supremo and Dom DeFrizio for keeping me in mind. And I'm, I'm super stoked to be sharing the mic with the legendary Pat Patterson this weekend on the front stretch. So tune in 9 a.m. to noon, both Saturday and Sunday. So if and when you get tired and annoyed with your family on Thanksgiving weekend, Tune into Channel 90. We'll get you covered there. All right. 
I don't know how I got off on that tangent. I apologize for that, but thank you to Harrison Burton. Thank you to Ian Moy as well for helping coordinate that conversation and everybody else that was on site with the Wood Brothers. Much appreciated there. A couple news nuggets and notes to catch up on for the past couple weeks. Apologies again. I, I thought that I was going to be able to get this episode out a little bit sooner, but Robin and I are actually dog-sitting. I'm looking at cute little Crosby right now. We are dog-sitting her cousin's big old golden retriever, uh, and he has kept me and Robin pretty busy. So, unfortunately, wasn't able to get that out as soon as I would have liked. But in the last couple of weeks since we last reconvened, Ryan Priest has been named the driver of the 41 Cup car at Stuart Haas Racing. That moves Cole Custer down to the Xfinity Series. I feel like this could be a win for both parties in a way. You get Priest, who has wanted this chance and this opportunity for so, so long. He obviously gets that now. Kevin Harvick's been in his corner. Tony Stewart's been in his corner. And if you're Cole Custer, admittedly, your Cup Series tenure so far has not been up to snuff. That win at Kentucky was great, don't get me wrong, but that was kind of a blip on the radar and more of an exception to what the rule has been, unfortunately, which is off the lead lap, running outside the top 20, not really a whole lot to write home about. Cole's going to go down to the Xfinity Series where he's a 10-time winner already, probably going to win a whole bunch of more races this upcoming season, especially given the fact that Noah's gone, Ty's gone, Dinger's gone. And if and when the time comes where a seat opens back up at SHR, if Eric Amarola leaves after this year, if Kevin Harvick leaves after this year, and Custer has a good Xfinity year, that seat could be primed for Custer's retaking of it. So time will tell there, but I do think that this could potentially be a win for both parties. But congrats to Ryan Priest, man. Kid's worked his ass off. I call him a kid. He's a guy, but this man has worked his butt off, and it's it's awesome to see good people rewarded with opportunities that they are deserving of. So big congrats to Ryan Priest. The other big news nugget of the past couple weeks falls into Joe Gibbs racing camp. Ty Gibbs, he's officially going to the Cup Series. That is not the newsworthy part of this discussion because it was a mere formality. We kind of knew that was going to happen, right? For me, the big thing is the number. Now, he's replacing Kyle Busch in terms of the driver lineup, so you would think, all right, put him in the 18 car, right? Wrong. Ty Gibbs going to drive the 54 in the Cup Series this means Joe Gibbs Racing, who's been in the sport since the early 90s, 1992. Their first entry was in that 18 car with interstate batteries on the side, that green, yellow, and red, awesome paint scheme, day glow red almost. That number has been in use for them every single year since. And 2023 is going to mark the first time in JGR history that that number is going to be sitting on the sidelines Vacant. Now, they were very particular and, and clear. The 18 will return to the Cup Series lineup at some point. It's a matter of when, not if. But I think this probably, and they haven't said as much, but conventional wisdom would suggest that Ty Gibbs has a lot on his shoulders right now. He's not necessarily a fan favorite. He hasn't made a whole lot of friends. He's made some enemies in the Xfinity Garage this past season. Also dealing with the tragic passing of his father, Coy, the night that he won the championship in the Xfinity Series, the last thing this guy needs, and he is a kid, the last thing this kid needs is more pressure, more scrutiny, more eyeballs on him to say, oh, well, he's in the 18. You know, Kyle did better than the 18 than he did. Dale Jarrett did better in the 18 than he did. 
Anybody else can do better in the 18 than Ty Gibbs. He's not ready for Cup. I knew they moved him up too fast. Nepotism this, nepotism that. That's the last thing that he wants, he needs, that Joe Gibbs Racing wants or needs. So I totally see and I totally get them running the 54 in the Cup Series. It makes sense. It's just going to be pretty weird not seeing an 18 car on the track. I don't know about you, but that's how I feel. Last bit of news is that Butterbean. Butterbean won the South Carolina 400 late model race at Florence Motor Speedway. Dale Jr. was in it, came home with a top 10 finish despite being sent to the back not once but twice. I will confess, I did not watch all of the race. Uh, That seemed to be a point of contention for a lot of the fans watching on Flow that it started late, it ended late, the officiating was suspect, it was a long race, a lot of preliminary races and divisions. I think if the people over at Florence and all those that put on that event could maybe have a do-over, they would do a couple things differently, but it's part of it, man. Growing pains. I hate to be like, oh, that's part of it. That's just one of them racing deals. Uh, Sure, you would love for your feature to not start when people are going to bed, and you would love for your officiating to be very clear, very concise, very concrete. It wasn't, and hopefully they'll be better for it. I think that there's no way to go but up for them in terms of the officiating and the consistency of it with the Florence Motor Speedway South Carolina 400 next year. And for the racing that I did see, it was damn good. I mean, it was hard to get a rhythm and a flow, and people were saving their tires, but there was really good racing throughout the pack pretty much the entire night. Two, three wide, racing for position. It was a blast. So congrats to Butterbean, well-deserved winner of the South Carolina 400. And that'll wrap things up for episode 170 of Victory Lane 2.0. If you guys like what you heard here today or any other episode in our archives, please do me a favor. It does help spread the word and I need all the help I can get, party people. Leave a rating and a review. Subscribe to the podcast. You can do that on Apple, the green app, Google, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts, no matter what platform, we should be available there for your consumption. And if we are not, please drop me a line and I will try to rectify that issue for you. We'll be back either next week or the following week. (laughs) I might take a week off for post-Thanksgiving in my food coma with another interview from the world of NASCAR. I hope you guys enjoyed today's chat. I hope you enjoy Loose Ends, a three-hour playoff best of special this week that's going to run through Thanksgiving weekend. And again, the front stretch, 9 a.m. to noon, Saturday and Sunday on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90. Pat Patterson going to give me half the reins, which I'm very appreciative of on the front stretch with the racing guy. Please tune in there. Please continue to rate, review, tell your friends about this show. Listen to Loose Ends. Listen to the front stretch. Listen to Victory Lane. Follow me on Twitter. Hopefully it doesn't go away. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. It's stuffing, not dressing. I said what I said, and we will catch you on the flip side. Thanks, everybody.